I'm Jason Klom. Gaziza. I'm Alan Rickards. Your last name is Rickard? And we are the hosts of Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast. Oh, hi. It's me, one of your co-hosts, Jason Klom, with me this week from across the pond is the delightful Neil Mason, a.k.a. Modern Day News Radio himself. Neil, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jason. It's a pleasure and a privilege. You know what? Same here, because uh, this is a weird corner of the internet that we're on, and honestly, if it wasn't for your account, I'm pretty sure most of our listeners wouldn't know who the hell we were. So, thank you for that. Uh, big time. So, what? Uh, let's let's talk because uh, we discussed this a little bit. You have been doing these very nice zooms that uh, are for news radio fans, Zoom meetings that have been then infiltrated by people who actually created the show, which is nice. Yeah. Um, so you talked a little bit about how you discovered news radio then, but let's let's talk about it now. Tell me how you found out about news radio, living where you live. Okay. Well. It was never really shown in the UK on any major network or mm -hmm. anything like that. To be honest, back in the 90s, most American shows didn't make it across the Atlantic, mm -hmm. um, with the exception of things like The Simpsons. Um, not much really made it. Even things like Seinfeld weren't renowned here or known. Yeah. Um, Friends being the exception as well, of course, and that's like a, a beast of a show anyway, even nowadays. Right. Um, so news radio I had no idea about and I found it from being a big fan of The Simpsons which with news radio is perhaps the biggest influence on me as you know like my, my comedy sort of leanings and and feelings um, and obviously love The Simpsons love Lionel Hutz love Troy McClure wanted to know who that guy was behind their voices uh -huh. found out who Phil Hartman was um, and then I eventually saw that he was in the show called News Radio. Um, I looked for it all over, found out that it was on, uh, we had a Paramount comedy channel. Oh, yeah, okay. It was on satellite TV, and I saw News Radio was playing at like 1 a.m. every week, every week, every week, I must say weeknight, week morning, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually start, started staying up late and watching it and just fell in love with it. I love that you discovered it. Uh, a little bit later and that it still meant that much to you because you never know like obviously if you watch it from the time you're a teenager and you're kind of a nut bar about it like it's kind of understandable that it would stick with you so you never know because you I always question my own taste from when I was a kid but it's nice to know that people as closer to an adult uh, discovered it and it still means that much to them I want to know what appeals to you about it uh, it could be as simple as no I like the jokes and I like the characters but I'm curious if there's anything else deeper that that sucked you in the the biggest thing i think was having been exposed to a lot of american comedy that was really broad and obnoxious you know you know you know <laughs> yeah. what i'm talking about uh-huh um it was the fact that it was so intelligent that's yeah. what really drew me in and then just seeing how it was so character driven like it wasn't it wasn't gags as such uh-huh it was more Oh, what will Bill and Dave do in this situation? And you, you can imagine that with every single sort of um, combination of characters. 
And I think that just showed to me just how important it was to have such a good ensemble cast. And that's the one thing that really stuck out to me. One of the other things you were talking about the other day that hadn't, again, occurred to me because um, I had my American blinders on is, of course, you didn't have SNL was also not a thing. No, not really. I th it may have been shown briefly, but no, I mean, back back then, nothing really American infiltrated UK TV that much. And it's not the thing about SNL that I think sometimes we don't appreciate or appreciate over here is that it is not necessarily evergreen. It can be, you know, just a blip and it's gone because some of it's just all current events or current ideas of what a good character is. And so it's it's one of those things that I don't imagine necessarily would have translated in the same way. I could be wrong. Do you watch it at all now? Is it something you've ever sat down and watched? I've never gone out of my way to sit down and watch it, but um, because my wife's American, I have seen a lot of the like famous sketches from sure. over the years, uh, like Toons is the cat that could drive a car, and, <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah. and I've obviously gone back and watched a lot of the Phil Hartman stuff, and sure. I'm really with like Raising Co Caveman Lawyer and um, all the little characters he played, like you know Clinton and stuff like that. Sure. Um, but I, I never got out of my way to watch it as such, but I do enjoy sort of the classic Phil Hartman era, like mid-90s sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it is fantastic to watch in terms of, uh, at least for me, knowing where he ends up going. I, again, I, I fell in love with him. Same same with news radio I th or, or with uh, The Simpsons. And I think I must have been watching some of SNL just because you're required to over here, it feels <laughs> like. Um Boy, oh boy! So that—that's so you get sucked in just through late night watchings of TV. Was this were the DVDs out at the time? Oh goodness, no! This was sort of uh, maybe two thousand. I first saw. Oh it. wow! Okay, all right. So that's so, that's not that. Far after off. we lost Phil and everything, yeah. so I never got to appreciate it when it was when it was on when sure. he was still alive. Um, which sucks, but you know, part of his legacy to me, I guess, is the fact that it still entertains and makes me laugh even now, which is incredible. Yeah. Does it? Um, sorry, oh, sorry, go Kevin. ahead. No, no, please. I was going to say, so the DVDs, I think, when, when were they released? Maybe like 2005, uh, It was 05 or 06, yeah. Yeah. So as soon as, as, soon as they came out, I, I bought them immediately because what they would do here is they would show, like, I think whichever company owned the rights to it here to show it on TV, they showed up to the end of season three and I never, ever got to see season four. Oh, come on. And I'd watch, and I'd watch the final episode of season three. And then I'd hope the next night they would have bought the rights to season four so I could see it. Oh my God. And they never did. <laughs> so when I used to vacation in the States, um, thankfully my parents had a timeshare in South Carolina. So I'd go there oh, most wow. summers. Um, I'd catch it on A&E. Mm -hmm. And that's when I first saw season four, having watched the first three seasons probably like 10 times. So for me, that was like, it was amazing. That's, I, I love that you had, like, that's the only way it was to literally yeah. travel to fucking America. <laughs> Pretty much. And uh, that's phenomenal. Do you know is uh, what's what's your perception of how news radio is perceived, if at all, in the UK? I, I have no idea what his reputation it is. It is. It is not perceived. It is not perceived at all. Okay. It is not known. I think people may know who Phil Hartman is from The Simpsons and mm -hmm. SNL. Um, people probably know Mora from ER and the sure, Affair and stuff. Sure, so if yeah. I mention the people who were in there, people tend to know who who the cast members are. 
but generally because they've done more high-profile things since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is frustrating when I come up with a really good uh, line from the show and nobody can appreciate it. That's, uh, yeah, I got to tell you, that's, that's, I mean, you know, but that means you're taking chances in social situations that I wouldn't. So are you literally like trying these, these out and just feeling the room out and see, seeing okay, can... okay, occasionally knowing full well that nothing will come of it. I love it. But also it's almost like I can pretend that I came up with that line. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so I use the Dave line, you know, would it be impolite to just run away from you at this point <laughs> in the conversation quite a lot? Um, and people tend to think, wow, he's clever. Where did he come up with that? Witty <laughs> Well, there we go. So that's so funny. So it, it is it is an advantage to it being not known, I guess. I really think the only place it is regarded is the internet, if you want to call that a place, because I I I don't want to say only because the drinking game show that Alan and I are in, that's how we discovered that we both loved it. And it turns out a ton of people in the show actually liked it. But I don't know I can't quite figure out what demographic we are where why we all discovered it knew it and memorized a bunch of it i'm not quite sure what that is what the particular can you really give it a demographic i don't know if you can not really uh we you know what's funny is we uh i think i mentioned on that same zoom call we did a little test version of trying to make a drinking game happen via zoom and i think it will and the test we did was an episode of friends which no offense to anybody who likes that show i hate that show uh and then we did the cane and okay. one of our one of our younger and I won't blame her for being young, but one of our younger uh, members of the cast has who's like, oh, I love Friends. This will be great. And I don't. Uh, what's news radio? She literally had never heard of it, and um, didn't seem to totally be into doing the the episode we did. And I was like, I know I shouldn't be sad because I know people don't know this show, but I'm still sort of like, damn it, damn yeah, it. Uh, yeah. I I feel that almost like tenfold because. There's not even the chance anybody from my age group, like, you know, mid to late 30s, is going to mm-hmm. know the show. So I, I guess where you are, there's a chance somebody yeah, might I know guess it. So, huh? And you're, you're going to catch more news radio fans there than I will. To right. quote the show, you'll catch more in Burbank than you will in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something about honey and vinegar and flies, I recall. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. What when so when did you start the uh, the Twitter account, which by the way is at M News Radio for anybody you should follow immediately if you don't already, you probably do. Uh, well, when did you start it? And what the hell made you think of the idea of of coming up with uh, news radio plots that would work now? I guess it's partly not having anybody to share it with. Fair. Um, and secondly, I saw this account called Modern Seinfeld. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Where I think these guys were actual professional comedy writers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they wrote for Seinfeld as such, but they were doing stories like, "Oh, what if what if George had a had a had a mobile phone? How would that work?" And, yeah, yeah. You know, and I was like, "Okay, that's a good idea because you can draw something new out of established characters and mm-hmm. give give the fans something else." I mean, I guess you've always had like you know people writing their own fan fiction of things for years. Sure, but generally, I think that was used to be you know, sci-fi, that sort of stuff. For sure. Um, so once I saw them on Seinfeld account, I thought, well, why don't I just do a news radio one and try and come up with some ideas? And I remember I did one tweet, maybe like 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, the only people following were my wife, myself with my personal account, <laughs> and some random person. Um, and nothing really happened. It didn't take off. 
and I did three or four tweets. They weren't particularly good looking back. Mm-hmm. I think we'd all say that with like pilot tweets, I suppose they were. For sure, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I sort of left it for like 18 months and I thought, well, I'll go back and do it and just see what happens. Um, and then it just started to grow. Like I, It was on like 10, 20 followers for quite a long time. Um, and I think Vicky Lewis followed me first. Okay. Um, and then I think I'm not sure who I'm not really sure how it grew. I think just retweets really, and the, the you know just people with not many followers retweeting and then finding their own, and then people finding it via their retweets and things like that. Interesting. Um, and then I'd, I'd also go out of my way to find news radio trends on Twitter. So if people hashtagged it or anything, yeah, and I'd go out and find them and say, right, come and follow me, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of sly sort of way. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which helped the, the follower count grow, and once you've got a, a good base, then it's easier for it to sort of develop. Right. I didn't honestly expect anybody would know that it was a thing still. I don't even know how I... How the hell did I discover your account? It must have been through Tavy, maybe? That's a really good question, because I can remember that it was before you started this podcast. Yeah. Because yeah. you said that you and Alan were going to start, and you must yeah. have just found me by typing in... News radio into Twitter, I guess. I'm guessing so. And I was just, I remember being extra psyched that there were other people like fully, yeah. like the thing is, I'm a per, and we've talked about this, like that I, I love props and I love all this shit from shows and stuff. And I'm obsessed with the stuff that's actually on there. But I also love when people fuck around with the universe of something that I love and take it into their own hands. And I, <laughs> and I think, you know, uh, you know, while I don't get to read the account every day, it's it's a nice little like, oh, that's cool. I get to pretend that this is happening, that this is still happening. And also, I mean, yeah. Bill is still alive in your timeline. Like, it's its own timeline. So you get to write Bill ti- uh, stories. And I love that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, made a, I made a decision to have Bill, obviously, rather than Max. Because as much as, you know, we all, I'm pretty sure we all like John Lovitz. Yeah, we don't yeah. really like Max, the character. Right. As yeah. much. So I was like, okay, we can't have both. It needs to be a decision needs to be made on which one do we go with. Yeah. And obviously it was always going to be Bill. Yeah, Because I find Bill is the easiest character to write something for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was partly why I chose that. But then also just to have almost like the classic cast. The yeah. classic season three, season four cast in my head is where the show should be. Yeah, it's so. it's absolutely fair. And I, I it, again, it's it's one of those things that adds this fantasy element. I don't think. I think also because of that, because it's fantasy, um, it doesn't run the risk. I don't think of offending anybody. And you know, anybody who's like, again, I'm a big fan of, of Phil Hartman's. And I, <laughs> you know what though, it would offend me if you were writing garbage. <laughs> and you're not. <laughs> well, like at least you're funny. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, if I, you I know there's funny. A, then that there's definitely there's definitely there's definitely a risk there. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest compliments I've ever had was when Paul Sims was talking to you guys and he said he reads some and thinks, sometimes thinks, mm, that wouldn't work. But then he said, sometimes it does work. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I was like, I'm going to like that. I'll take, I'll take that hit. You know, if it's 50, 50 in his eyes, that's pretty good. That's a better ratio than most actual comedy writers who get paid to do it. So, I mean, you know, well, you're not doing bad. And I'm the, I'm the one, I'm the one that said 50, 50. So clearly that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you, uh, no, uh, what, what episode was playing the most or were they just running through when you were originally watching or were there some that seemed to play more than others? Um, they would just show them. They would just show the first three seasons, sort in of order. on a loop. Okay. 
Okay. It would almost be like they'd show all of Cheers, all of Frasier, mm-hmm. all of News Radio, um, and that would just go on a loop like for like three, four months, and then they'd start again. The three brown tinted shows. That's fascinating. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> what, what was uh, back then? Did you have a different like what you would consider your favorite episode than you do now, or is it remain the same? That's a really good question. Um, I think maybe to start with, my favorite episode was the Jerry Seinfeld one because oh, yeah, okay. I knew who he was. Yeah, and it was easier at that point to sort of have a foundation in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think, like most people, my favorite episode is definitely Arcade. Yeah, mainly because all the storylines work. That's true, and it's just strong the whole way through. It's it's beautiful you know it's funny because i'm like god am i being contrarian because i do love smoking in the cane very much as much as anybody but i'm like that for some reason the sandwiches in in that episode is just like ah oh, fuck this is too perfect this <laughs> yeah. is such a perfect episode of, of sitcom writing any episode where bill gets a really strong storyline <laughs> uh-huh. always my favorite so you've got that you've got the rap music episode or crap music uh-huh. uh, <laughs> The one, obviously, malt, uh, rocket fuel, malt liquor, or sure. you know, anything where he gets to go off on a rant mm-hmm. is going to be great. Of course. And any 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 episode where there's a strong um, disconnect between Bill and Dave, uh-huh. you just know it's going to be glorious. Did you have any exposure to Dave Foley before News Radio, or any concept of who he was? I had no idea who that man was. Had a feeling. Had a feeling. Yeah, also, can- no. You would hope. You would hope that Canada would do its job and get their shit over to the UK, but no. Well, you would think there'd be some sort of trade agreement, wouldn't you? Right. You would think you so. Know, Common- Commonwealth and all that. They mean they have the Queen on their money, don't they? Yes, they do. So, yeah, I, I don't understand that. It does seem strange that we didn't have kids in the hall. Yeah. I mean, I don't I, even... I Canada isn't renowned for exporting much TV, but right. You think Kids in the Hall? We had Due South. That was a Canadian show. Okay, yeah. So why the hell did you not get the Kids in the Hall? Did they? No, I've no. I've no hmm. It probably wasn't. It probably wasn't what British people thought Canadians were. Right. Canadians. Canadians are Mounties. That's all Canadians are. <laughs> it, I think was the general consensus here. That poor Canadians. Why do they get such a, a raw deal? That's how it's perceived over here too. You know, I know every... they always get it. They always get a bad rap in American shows, don't they? Oh, it's the fucking worst. And, you know, I am obsessed with... I'm not going to go down this this road too much, but I'm obsessed. Do you know that they have to have a certain amount of Canadian content in their TV shows? Like, really? Yes. It's I didn't, called, I didn't that. It's called the CanCon or Canadian Content Rules. I cannot remember what the percentage is, but TV, radio... Um, uh, I'm sure it depends on whether it's, you know, uh, satellite, satellite versus, you know, quote unquote air. Um, but yeah, they have to have Canadian content, which is why one of the more famous, uh, second city TV. I don't know if you've ever seen that at all, but that's an, yeah, another famous, uh, Canadian sketch comedy thing that gave us Eugene Levy and Martin Short and John Candy and all these other people. Um, and, uh, uh, Catherine O'Hara, it, um, uh, that's why the, their most famous sketch was these two idiots. One of them was Rick Moranis. The other was Dave Thomas. Uh, both very funny and doing um, stereotypical Canadians. That was their response to it. And hilariously and ironically, that's the only thing that really, quote unquote, translated to America. And the only <laughs> thing we could understand because... <laughs> uh, 
it's one of my favorite stories about Canadian comedy, and it got me obsessed with Canadian content. But it does again blows my mind that there's uh there should be more of a cultural a cultural exchange besides that one uh, heavy set Canadian actor who plays every real sounding American on English TV. I can't remember <laughs> his name, but he was one of the captains on Red Dwarf, and since then has always been our go to oh. real sounding American. <laughs> I didn't even know he was Canadian. He is. <laughs> I can't remember what, what his, is name, his right name. name. I know, I know who you mean. The, the guy who actually is the captain of the ship in Red Dwarf. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, one of, yeah, I didn't know he was Canadian. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And, well, he's one of the few who doesn't sound like he's doing a cowboy voice when he's playing an American. And, um, you know, he's not like <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatching it up. Um, yeah, yeah, well, all right. So we've got the but, arcade as your favorite yeah. episode. Um, ah, man. What about uh, your. Do you have a favorite storyline over the whole show? I mean, since your thing is writing new storylines, I mean, it could be within the arcade, that's fine, but I'm curious if there's like an individual storyline that stands out outside of its episode. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. Um, I mean, the Bill Sandwiches in Arcade is maybe my favorite moment in the whole show. Mm -hmm. But running closely behind that would be uh, Public Domain when he's playing the piano. <laughs> Only because of the reaction that Dave gives him when he keeps playing mm -hmm. and he comes up and he says, first of all, I apologize. <laughs> it's just the look of disbelief on Dave's face just gets me every time. So it's, I think that's what I love about the show the most. It's just the expressions mm -hmm. and just the complete and utter sort of um, not odd couple. It's not odd couple. That, that would be doing it a disservice. It's just the way each of the characters, they, they really shouldn't get on. And a lot of the time they For don't, sure. yeah. but then you also feel like they all really sort of love each other as well. Mm -hmm. And to have both both sides of that in the same show, I think is quite special. Yeah, you know, that's true cause, because at least my experience or my memory could be a false memory of American TV from the 90s that it was just all arch and cynical and no heart. And while this show often avoided heart sometimes uh, actively... Uh, it couldn't avoid, I don't think, that that exact feeling that they they care very much about each other. Yeah, I agree. I think the fact that it did avoid like that those cliches, you know, like you say about the heart thing and mm -hmm. somebody needs to learn a lesson here this week, yeah. you know. Is Bill going to learn a lesson about, you know, talking down to his, his co-workers, that sort of thing? <laughs> right. um, I'm so glad they didn't really do any of that. Oh, God, yeah. Still really, maybe season five. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Like the wedding episode, which every time I watch that, it makes me a little bit sad. Uh -huh. um, especially when the dog comes in. Uh huh. Because <laughs> that, to me, from a from a from a non-American point of view, it seems even more corny. Sure. Oh, maybe. Of course. <laughs> of course. I mean, we also like. I mean, you know, we we're well known for. Um... <laughs> I don't know, obsessing over false sincerity. Uh, it's hard to find real sincerity, and I do think in a show like this, you find it in the moments that are absolutely padded by some cynicism or some sarcasm, you know, something something um, non-sincere, uh, for sure. I think there's always a little bit something that pads it to make it palatable. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think the cynicism and the sarcasm in news radio is sort of, I mean, I suppose Seinfeld was around at the same time, and that was... yeah. Along the same lines, where it was like, oh, these people are assholes. Uh -huh. And that's part of the comedy. They're not all lovable characters getting into jams and scrapes, you know, having crazy capers, all that mm. stuff. Um, but I think the fact that the characters were dislikable, and I know that's what the network gave Paul Sims a hard time about. Mm -hmm. 
I think that really speaks volumes to how ahead of, it time, ahead of its time it was. Absolutely. I mean, this show, if you were to remake it now as a quote-unquote single-camera sitcom, I was just thinking about it. You know, The Office has spread everywhere from the UK, obviously, mm -hmm. and then after it hits here, then it goes to every other country in the friggin' world. And uh, good for you, Ricky Gervais. But if, the, if news radio was to be done the same way, uh, I think now it would be reformatted as a single-camera sitcom, and I think... A lot of it would work even better that way. And again, now like anti-heroes and, you know, anti-lovable characters are the thing. So I don't know. I just feel like it, it would work even better now. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the anti-hero thing is a good is a good comment because I think British comedies always be more comfortable with the anti-hero. Sure. And British humor um, traditionally has always been people down on their luck and mm -hmm. they haven't succeeded. They've actually failed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, shows like Alan Partridge or even David <laughs> Brent from The Office. You know, uh -huh. these are, these are characters who have these amazing shortcomings in their personalities, and they don't see the the world through anybody else's eyes. Right. And I think that with news radio for me was a big, um, was really really attracted me to it because the characters had well, Bill especially had that point of view. Oh yeah. And to see and to see that sort of darkness in characters was really really good especially because i love american humor when it's dark sure because it's the complete um opposite of what american comedy used to be mm -hmm. going it's, back to the 80s and early 90s i mean and, and i think and it's usually a response to what to everything else that's going on in comedy normally Mm -hmm. uh, I, th I think I, I could be wrong, but I mean, Paul Sims does seem like, and this shouldn't be an insult, Paul, a contrarian. He seems like a kind of guy who will absolutely upset everything for the sake of humor. And I, I appreciate that because I mean, that's, I mean, that's how good art is created. You've got to fuck with what exists and do yeah. also do what you like, but definitely, um, use what's out there and explore it, especially if they're trying to make you make what everybody else is making. I mean, yeah, why would I you not? I love that he stuck to his guns. I yeah. really do. I really respect him for that. And clearly his approach has worked for him in the long run. Yeah. You know, he wasn't sort of cast aside as a troublemaker. <laughs> right. Because yeah, yeah, he yeah. gets all these amazing jobs now. So mm -hmm. it just, I think it gives a lot of hope to people who want to create something contrary or something a bit different to say you can upset the apple cart and still make something of it. And I mean, it still went for five seasons. Right. Despite all the the shit thrown its way from the network. And I mean, it's, and, it's, it also says something that he went from that to the lowest rated pilot in NBC history, and he still got to work, still got to do fine, <laughs> you know? Well, clearly the, the work itself is respected, even if it wasn't respected by the people who wrote the checks. The yeah. people who were, the, the critics liked it that much that it's, it goes to show that you can have something critically successful and that will give you longevity, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think so, and I think he appreciates the fact that folks like yourself and, and this silly show are trying to keep it alive in two totally different ways, by the way. I, I you know, I, I wouldn't have thought that an account that tries to make new news radio, I would, I think if I'd have discovered it a few, like maybe a few years before, like it actually, had you created it years and years before, I might have been like offended because I would have been a little baby about it. Uh, <laughs> and now I'm like, no, that's perfect. Why would you not do that? Like, that's, that's great. Uh, why not bring more news radio into the world? Regardless are you saying of you would have... Would you have been a troll, Jason? Is that what you're saying? I would never have been a troll, but I would have been secretly yeah. like stewing about it. I'm like, fuck this guy. I'm sure there would have been a little bit of a. Uh, anger. Oh yeah, I was an I, angry I, boy. I, I, I get that completely. And every time I do 
do a tweet, I try to be careful with the source material. I, and you, I always do think, a good job. Well, thank you. Because if I'm suddenly making up a story and that has no, it's not based in reality of what that character might do. Like, hey, what if Lisa went skydiving? <laughs> uh, that that would be easy, wouldn't it? Yep. Yep. I mean, you, you know, fall or, into the, the the typical sitcom writer's trap, I think. Yeah. Or what if what if what if Matthew became the boss? Well, that wouldn't happen. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So it's trying to keep it within those parameters where you could it's believable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's the challenge sometimes because I've been doing it for so long now. I don't know how many I've done. It's got to be hundreds. Uh huh. And trying to draw inspiration without anything really to work from in terms of you know that show is long gone. Those yeah. characters are. They're still alive with us, but nothing new is happening to them. So trying to draw some inspiration sometimes is hard, but I tend to look at just like what's in the news, what happened to me in work today. And amazingly, a lot of the new sort of management techniques that those of us who work in offices are exposed to mm. really hit home. Like I did a, I did a tweet about there being fleas in the office, uh-huh. in the carpet, and that actually happened in my, in my workplace. Oh my god, okay, fun. So, you know, it's just like, okay, let's make a story out of that. Yeah. I love that. I love that you were drawing inspiration the same way any other writer would, and, you know, your only outlet is, well, the show's gone, so I've got a Twitter account about it. That's an, It's a nice, it's a smart outlet to have. Do you have, are there any, mm, this is, might be a trite question, but is there anything in UK comedy ever that you can think remotely compares to anything like news radio is there anything that's ever felt like it adjacent to it something i might not have seen i wouldn't say there's anything that's really similar to Uh it i mean i mentioned alan partridge before in terms of character traits um he's very very bill in -hmm. a british sense um but then british radio is very different to american radio and it's very regional you know and the joke there is for example He's stuck in this. He he's fallen from grace. Like he was on the BBC, and he falls from grace, and he ends up in this local regional radio station in the southeast of England. And there's some similarity, I think, in the terms of he's an idiot and he doesn't really see it. Uh huh. So you can draw some. There's real darkness to it. Uh huh. Um, and if anybody watches The Office and loves David Brent as a character, I would certainly recommend going to watch Alan Partridge. Sure especially the first two seasons of that, um, just to see how to create an absolute narcissistic idiot who uh, <laughs> is stuck in a different time a different time zone because um, there's something very Bill about him. Yeah. That's a good and I've said before, I would love to see those two clash on a radio show. <laughs> see which, which ego would win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in terms of like other things that are really similar... Most British comedy now, like American comedy, has gone to this one-camera style. Uh-huh. And I've never been a big fan of British comedy sort of before the 90s. So I can't really say there's anything that stands out as being similar to news radio. Maybe uh-huh. that's why I love it so much. Yeah. I mean, I grew up watching shows like Red Dwarf, which we mentioned before. Sure. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Bottom. No. Is um, the, the Simpsons did a parody of it called Do Shut Up. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's basically just two 
two losers living in London who just basically beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> oh my god! All right, and it's just it's just so over the top. But mm-hmm. I grew up watching that, uh-huh. so <laughs> um, comedy from violence, is sure. certain thing. Which when, when done when done right, it's brilliant. You know, sure, yeah, go back all the way to you know to Groucho Marx and all that. I guess. Uh-huh. Um, so I can't say there's any, I can't say there's anything similar. No, no, that's fine. As long as you never said, "Are you being served?" I'm fine. Can I tell you? The only reason that Ugh. ever comes up is because that is the show that constantly gets exported. And as a kid, I was like, "This is the funniest thing I've ever seen," <laughs> and it's English. And, and well, my wife, um, Erica, she she's she grew up in Delaware and Texas. Uh huh. And so her only exposure to British comedy was keeping up appearances. Yep, there was the other one. <laughs> or anything that PBS bought the rights to. Yep. Yep. Or like Chef with Lenny Henry. Oh, yeah, sure. I think, but they tended to buy the worst, not the worst, but the less renowned British comedy. It must have been cheap. It must have been cheap. Right. Uh, I mean, the only thing I think that ever, only way that ever benefited comedy was when we got Python, and that's when every American discovered Python in the 70s, you know, just a few years late. And, uh, but in every, not every, but uh, many other cases, it's just been like, oh, fuck. Okay. That's it. The strange thing is, like Python, I've I'm not a big fan of Python uh-huh. at all. I never have been, and I've I've watched the films and I've seen sketches, and yeah, I like it, but I've never been obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. So I could never quote it to you, right? Which yeah. I don't know. Feels like is there a big piece of my comedy jigsaw missing? I don't know. Is there or is it? Has it just become? I don't know. Is maybe Python's just more American than people like to admit because <laughs> maybe, it maybe works it so fucking well over here and has honestly influenced every fucking nerd comedy writer who exists, <laughs> including myself. Um, but I also have tried to become aware of it because when I've interviewed people who are English and are like, I don't really care for Python, I'm like, oh, so maybe it's it's not keeping up appearances, but it's it's not not you know yeah. it's it's interesting. Yeah, I, I had a feeling you'd say there's nothing that quite compares because it, it is it is its own thing so much news radio, and that's again why we love it. But I and I don't know how I'll ever be able to necessarily nail down. Maybe I'm not articulate enough to nail down exactly what it is. But I'm I don't know. For me, it's still comfort food too. If you sit down and watch an episode, is it is it comforting to you? Absolutely. Yeah. Especially, you know, at times like these when, you know, we're stuck indoors and we can't live life the way we want to. Uh-huh. Although for some of us, you know, introverts is pretty much a glorious time, I guess. Because <laughs> there's no there's no there's no pressure to go out and enjoy the world. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um yeah, there's definitely comfort food. Yeah. Through some you know, through rough times it's definitely something I'll I'll stick on and enjoy. Yeah. There's comfort in knowing what to expect. Absolutely. And I'm, I, I honestly can't wait until we're done talking because we have two more episodes to cover before we're done with that part of this show. Although if you guys, I won't say what it is, but if you guys participate in these Zooms that Neil is setting up, you're going to learn some things, including uh, how this podcast might continue thanks to something Joe Fury had in his back pocket the whole time and didn't tell anybody about. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I don't, uh, well, well, we'll talk about it. I don't know if we remember that part, but there was a real, he dropped a big, kind of a big bomb. But yeah, I can't wait to be able to finish those two episodes and then start the show over not having to take notes. Well, That's maybe it's going to be nice. May, maybe it could be like a spin off of the podcast and you could call it Joe's Back Pocket. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. <laughs> well, you can have that for free. I won't charge for that. That's uh, fucking delightful. Oh boy. Do you... <laughs> so we've gone over your favorite episode, your favorite storyline. I mean, I safe to assume your favorite character is Bill, right? Bill is, I mean, 
Yes, uh-huh. but I I identify more myself with Dave. Of course, sure. Don't we? All? Bill is my favorite character, but Dave is who I would want to hang out, hang out with out of everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because he's more sort of witty and quick. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would definitely feel like I would get on best with him. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Both of both of them. It's very hard to draw a line between the two of them. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, Bill was the heart and soul. And every episode where when when Bill was in the show and Bill's not used that much, it always feels like I know you can use him as much every week, but please do. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, they couldn't always do that because I... everybody had contracts and had to sure. earn money and had screen time. Of course. Yeah, and, you know, people are going to be like, well, what the fuck am I doing this week? And I get that also. Like, you know, you want to explore your character. I just remember being so excited. The only reason I would have watched news radio is is I must have heard, of, you know, I'm like, oh, I knew he was leaving SNL. Like, everybody over here knew he was, if you're a comedy person, knew he was leaving SNL. And when you find out he's got a sitcom, I was like, oh, well, shit, of course, then I have to watch it. Which makes me wonder, I know I didn't watch the pilot, and I m- maybe missed an early episode or two, but... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Just following him from SNL, there was a good chance I was going to love the show anyway. Because what I assumed he was going to do was kind of Troy McClure. I assumed he was going to be big, bombastic, and I got everything I was promised. Although it's a, <laughs> yeah. more of a character, you know, um, is a more detailed character. Although you know, you've heard the rumors, right, that he wanted to turn turn Troy McClure into his own live action movie. I don't know if you really. Heard that. Yes, that was I his. Did not know, I did not know project that. he was working on, supposedly like working on trying to make happen before he passed away, which is insane to me. Uh, I would have watched it. There's no doubt about oh. it, but it's crazy. <laughs> I can only imagine what that would have looked like. I know. I know. I can't that imagine. Been, oh, that would be amazing. Uh-huh. It, uh huh. Yeah. As long as it wasn't one of those where, like, you know, the Simpsons movie came out and it just let everybody down. Right. Yeah. 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 Even though everybody, sometimes you want something, but then, like, do you really want it? Right. Would you really want a Troy McClure live action film? I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, He would be interesting in it. And I, I, you know, I I would have loved to see what his film career became after News Radio. I'd also love to see how long they made News Radio uh, last. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know about you, but I do think now with people making cameo appearances in shows, I do think that would have been such a Phil Hartman. Mm hmm. position you know yeah something like modern family i watched where fred willard is phil's dad and i'm just thinking phil hartman could have been his dad yeah 100 i just think how amazing would that have been he'd be like you know in his early 70s and he'd still be just you know killing it you know that hurts my brain it does the idea that but, he would be that but old now but yeah so I, I think but i i just think knowing that the way tv has gone in, in the last 20 years there would have been so many opportunities for somebody mm. of his talents yeah Boy, oh boy! But there anyway, we go. I brought it down. It's okay. What are you gonna do? I, I had an Not interview. I had an interview yesterday where I brought him up to somebody, uh, a co-star from the show, somebody who had done two episodes. And this, yeah. every time you bring up Phil Hartman, people are always like, "Oh, so sad." And my brain wants to be like, "No, let's let's celebrate the good parts." But I get it. You kind of got to get that out of, of your course. system. You have to get it out of, of your course. system. I know. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, what's uh, do you have a favorite t- uh, storyline that you've written up? Because I, you know, I know I haven't seen them all, so I'm curious uh, <laughs> if there's a gem in there that you're personally very proud of. The one I'm most proud of is the one which is my pin tweet at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, without blowing my own trumpet too much, um, and that's the one where Dave is impressed by Greta Thunberg. 
Um, and then Lisa gets all jealous because obviously it's like this 16, 17 year old girl getting all this attention. Uh. <laughs> I can imagine if she'd grown up in this era, that's who Lisa Miller would have been. Uh, yeah, right. Um, but then, but then I don't know where this line came from. I wrote that uh, Bill says, I don't trust teenagers. Never was one, never liked them. <laughs> So I just imagine he would have said something just so stupid, like, what do you mean you weren't a teenager? <laughs> and to him, that whole part of his life didn't exist. He went straight from being a child to being a grown man. Yeah. I and mean, drinking. That's, that is, uh, that's not, that's not off. I, that does sound like something he would say. And you're probably right. We know he had a, a dark, dark past, which is again, my favorite thing in the show. I think. Absolutely. The oh, darkness. The darkness. So Some of those lines are so good. Like, is, is there anything you won't drink? Poison. <laughs> I'm saving it for you. And then, Every time. And then laughing about it like it was and, the funniest yeah. exchange on the planet. Just completely enough the psychological denial he has of that traumatic upbringing. He, he had this, this gothic childhood that wouldn't have existed when he was who he was at his age. It's just, yep. it's, oh, it's, it's so beautiful. I, just the things, the inspiration that they draw from to make that show happen. Yeah. Oh, holy fuck! Um, I know. It's great. It's great to see though, like how much influence it's had on comedy over the last twenty years, though. For sure, for sure. And I've been watching a show called Great News uh -huh. on Netflix. I don't know if you ever watched it. You know, I saw maybe I saw an episode, but I haven't gotten to catch up with it. It's it's worth seeing. I think it's I I enjoy it. There are there are parts of it that are a bit unpolished, mm -hmm. um, but to me, it's a real sort of love child of 30 rock and news radio because mm -hmm. i can only imagine the lady who wrote it was a big news radio fan because okay. the setup is very similar and you've got this you've got this news anchor called chuck pierce mm -hmm. played by um what's his name john michael higgins oh yes yeah uh-huh who, who, who's always good anyway he's brilliant and he throws his heart and soul into it very much like phil hartman threw his heart and soul into bill mcneil mm -hmm. and there's a real similarity and i can only guess that they were really influenced by that by the Bill McNeil character, but then also like the news director is this British guy, so not a Canadian but a British guy who's uh -huh. a bit more withdrawn and a bit more just smarter smarter than the other guys. Uh -huh. You know, and there's a, there's a lot of it which is very news radio e is that a word? I don't know. Yeah, we'll sure. say it is news radio esque. We'll go with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if anybody hasn't seen that, I would recommend it. All right, I will have to dig in more. Give it, give it a, a more thorough shot since it is on Netflix now. But there are there are bits of it which are maybe not as uh, enjoyable for us who like news radio. But then there are parts of it which really do hit home. I love that. There's... I'd recommend it to everyone. I, 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 I th that's one of the things that I kind of you know because I'll watch a show and be like, well, first of all. I saw this gag first on news radio 20 years ago. And I mean, we're talking everything from any of my favorite American sitcoms that have come since, um, including like the American office and 30 rock and a couple mm. of where it's like, Oh, that's a bit, you know, it's probably parallel thinking, but I'm like, I do wonder, but I do know that on community, there's at least one writer who's a news radio fan. Who's going to do this podcast at some point. And oh, cool. the community, while not at all the same show, definitely took liberties that shows like spaced and I know it was influenced by Spaced, uh, mm -hmm. and, and News Radio did, at least in those two crazy episodes, and just went nuts with it and did just entire genre episodes. And so I always wondered, and then once I found out one of the writers of Community was a News Radio fan, I'm like, okay, good. That actually confirms it for me. Yeah. You know, I like knowing the influences out there. 
Yeah, me too. And also, it's funny you bring up community because um, Yvette Nicole Brown. Uh huh. She is a news radio fan. That I didn't know. Wait yeah, a minute. Follows... Yes, I did. You told me that once, and then I guess yeah, I forgot. she she she, rand- she randomly followed me. I think once uh, the delightful Mr. Foley retweeted the account for me, which uh-huh. he very kindly does for me. Um, and she followed me, and I sent her a message, and she was just saying, you know, how yeah, she's just a just a big fan, and you wonder whether the writers sort of get the cast members into the show, right, or whether they grew up with it as well. Yeah, see, that's a good question. I should. It's I just should... knowing who who out there has this. I know Mark Hamill is a big news radio fan. Right. Which, you know, if anybody can get the show the profile it deserves, it's him. For real. Oh my God. <laughs> but I'm sure that's I'm sure he's got other things to do. I don't know. He's done. Luke's dead. Done. We're good. Luke's dead, yeah, that's true. Sorry if anybody <laughs> hasn't seen those films yet. Oh, yeah. Sorry guys for spoiler from two fucking movies ago. <laughs> I mean, uh no, no, Luke's fine. He, he's fine. He's, 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 he's farming on uh he's he's a farmer now. <laughs> he's a farmer. That's what he's doing. Yep. Yeah. Luke Back Farmer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, it it is amazing to see there was there was a line in Great News where um, one of them says to the other, "Oh, don't worry about it, Pumpkin." And I just thinly thought uh, of Jimmy and Dave. Yeah, yeah. And I know I know Pumpkin is a very American thing to say to somebody sure. to consult, them, but still, the way it was, I was like, mm, is that from there? Right. I mean, you Maybe. have to wonder. I mean, I've never called anybody Pumpkin. <laughs> If I said it, it would just sound like I'm joking or being sarcastic, and that's uh-huh. that's, that's across the bear if you're British. Because you're British, yeah. You you run the risk of being sincere, and once you do, boy, oh boy. Once, once you're sincere, you get a reputation for it, and people cling on to you. <laughs> it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous, dangerous characteristic to have. Ah, I love that. Song. There we go, um, Neil. You're yes. a delight. Um, we're going to have you come back on at some point once we're revisiting other episodes. I think we have to. I think by necessity okay. we need to. Um, but I would like you to tell people uh, where they can find you uh, if you want them to follow both your Twitters, whatever. And if you've okay. got anything else planned for the future or whatever the hell, promote something. Okay, thank you. Okay, mm-hmm. well, the Modern Day News Radio account, um, it's at M News Radio. Simple as that. Surprisingly, nobody had stolen that beforehand. Uh-huh. Um, if you want to follow my personal one, that's at Neil Mace. Um, that's all one word. So Neil, N-E-I-L-M-A-C-E. I don't recommend that. I don't really tweet anything <laughs> exciting. Uh-huh. Um, and, it, and it may depress you. But if you want to follow <laughs> me, that's fine. Um, in terms of the account going forward, I think we will do more of these Zooms. Yeah. Because given the current climate around the world everybody's at home mm-hmm. we need some sort of social outlet and i think if we were all it tends to be that everybody who follows is of a similar mindset yeah if you're a news radio fan generally there's a reason why you are mm-hmm. I think generally you'll get on with other people who are fans of the show so i will tweet some more of those out so if you want to join please do um if all 2,500 people from of my followers come on. I think we'll probably crash soon. Uh-huh. But I'm, uh-huh. sure that won't, I'm sure that won't happen. It was a good so time. That's, I will that's tell where you, we're we did three hours last time. It was three hours. And the only reason we left is because, oh, shit, I need to go eat lunch. That was the only reason I left. <laughs> yeah, I could have stayed on for a lot longer. Yeah, it was fun. You guys, we had Paul Sims hopped on, Joe Fury hopped on, Lou Morton hopped on, Dave Foley hopped on. And... I like how Dave was fourth on your list then. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> listen, listen, Dave. You, if he comes back on the podcast, he'll 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 move up. 
you know, to be, come and, more and to be fair, he, he was, he only left when his pancakes were ready. That is true. That is true. You know, food. Yeah, that's an acceptable reason to leave a zoom conversation. Agreed. Of, of course. And I, again, I think so, he might've been stuck in Canada. I don't know what's going on. Poor guy. It, it sounds as if somebody from the show will join us on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, I won't say who because I want people to join. Sure. So if you do come on, you know, you may get to speak to somebody from the show. Right. So we will see. And then Neil will kick you out if he doesn't like what you have to say. That didn't happen. Absolutely. I, I'm a bit of a tyrant for that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And <laughs> We've heard this I... question before. Fuck off. <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. <laughs> we're, we're, we're a kind bunch. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. It was. It was. As is your again, as is your Twitter, um, and uh, again, people should follow it. It's enjoyable, and also Neil is also very good about tweeting the other people in the news radio Twitter universe. There's a ton of us out there. Thanks, um, I try. And those people usually follow him. Uh, you're a bit of a hub, um, yeah. so I think people should uh, you know check that out. Neil, you're a delight. Thank you, Jason. As Thank you for coming on the show. There's only one you're thing welcome. we say every week, which is. Catch you later, B-Cakes. <laughs> Dispatches from Fort Awesome, a news radio podcast, is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. The show is hosted by Alan Rickert, Jason Klom, and Jen, who lives on the ether. Our theme song was composed and performed by Michael Warden. Have questions? Call and leave us a voicemail at 646-801-WNYX or email us at freakzilla at scopenet.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Dispatches from Fort Awesome on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or any other podcast outlet. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WNYX News Radio, or find everything in one place at WNYXNewsRadio.com. Thanks, Joe. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years. Big data day, Dave. Stolen Dress Entertainment. Hey, it's my turn. Ah! <laughs>